real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is October 28th, 2019. Uh, for all Greek Americans out there, for the Greeks in general, it's a very proud day, as they call it, No Day. It's Ohi Day. It's actually recognized um, as one of the most important um, decisions made by an ally a new ally during World War II. I'll let you guys know what that means. Um, and today is just uh, pretty insane. We had a lot going on from the 24th of October all the way through to today. Um, a lot of, uh, I feel very upset. I feel like I want to throttle the whole world at once. It's as if people can't see. And it gets very, very frustrating, especially uh, with people that, you know, you um, parlay with also. And I'm talking, you know, nationwide, globally, where I've had discussions with many people, many great political minds, um, you know, where these discussions that happen are based on facts and findings and not feelings. And it seems that even those that... I would have considered at some point to be impartial or uh, people not, I wouldn't say like of faith per se, but yes, someone of faith is important, have uh, really lost the plot. So what did we realize for all my listeners out there that have been listening to the Tory Says Show only on Red State Talk Radio? One thing you knew is the minute you saw that the attack was carried out in Idlib, Syria, you probably thought to yourself, boy, didn't Tori say that all the ISIS people are in Syria, in Idlib, and how Idlib was very important to Turkey? And how that is the stronghold because once you control Idlib, you can control everything else. I've been saying that. I also let you guys know that we have been delivering weapons uh, to the eastern Mediterranean. And specifically, if you remember, I told you it was choppers. Right. Choppers, 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 choppers. What executed this raid? Choppers. Where did we hop from? Greece. Why do we ask Russia for, um, you know, to allow us to go through the airspace? Because we came in from the southwest of Syria, flying through Tardis. So Turkey would not detect. Why not? Because what? Every single person that has been released from U.S. custody or any custody that has been part of ISIS, Hamas, Hezbollah, you know, Al-Qaeda, have all been tracked back to Ankara, Turkey. Just saying. So just to get it out there and be straight. So my listeners already knew. So when the president said, well, I'm not going to tell you where we're resting and how we're fine and where we went, all of you were probably thinking, man, we know, because Pompeo told us, we know, because Tori told us where the choppers were coming from. Mm, because people have lost the ability to pay attention. Even the corrupt ones have lost the ability to pay attention. And you know what? What are they going to do? Question the move? I mean, right now we're moving the majority of our bases from Germany to Greece. No one's batting an eyelash on that one. No one's like, well, um, how's that happening? So a lot of developments have happened. A lot of things. Uh, first of all, taking out the ISIS leader, we can thank the president uh, for doing so because the head recruiter, is the problem. The one that glorifies and, you know, glamorizes death 
as an ISIS soldier that recruits people from people like you know, people in Ilhan Omar's district to fly out to Turkey and walk through to Syria to join ISIS. He's the one that glamorizes it. He's the one that beheads people and says, look, you're doing this for Allah. So why not tell the people what a coward he was? How he blew himself up in the name of BS, how he was peeing in his pants and he was nothing but a scared little coward. Because every single one of these clowns, every single one of these kids that decide, I'm going to go over there because it's going to be awesome. Like that woman that left Alabama and went there and was being raped and tortured. And she's like, oh, I want to come home now. No, sorry, man. You made your bed lying it. Uh, you're going to take your paternal and maternal. uh Citizenship, because we're not taking you. See, that's the thing. People need to understand the reality of joining terrorist groups because terrorist groups are radicalized minds, radicalized people that don't know, you know, where there is a limit to do something. The minute that they have no um, stop in regards to life, right, to say, oh, you know, this is where my morality kicks in, so I can't do this. Those that don't have any of those stops, those are what clinically are called psychopaths, right, the ones that have no remorse, no sympathy, empathy, whatever you want to call it, to life, which is the most valuable component of anything, (laughs) So why would you think that it would be glamorous to go there? Why would you think that they would praise you for what you do? Hats off to the president just for making that clear. Now, before we start on that and before we analyze how Robert O'Brien for the first time had an interview on television, the guy was so composed, he literally mopped the floor with Cuck Todd. Cuck Todd, I will not call him Chuck, Cuck Todd was so embarrassing to watch. I felt sorry for Todd myself. I was like, oh my God, he doesn't realize just how insane he looks, how adamant he is of, tell me more, let's bury the president, blah, 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 you know? So I wanted uh, to revisit a specific um, video we talked about just so that you can see just how predictable these clowns are. Um, and that was Lindsey Graham. Do you guys remember when Lindsey Graham gave that interview and said that, are they suggesting a second counsel? I think I found the clip. Let me see. Hold on. The unworthy substitute for the way you need to do it is at its core un-American and I can tell you what we did in the past. That's Listen to what he says, and I'll tell you why we're listening to this. In 1998, in October, we had an impeachment inquiry vote on the floor of the House. I was there. 31 Democrats voted to open up an impeachment inquiry. And after, after that inquiry, these were the rights given to uh, President Clinton, his team, and members of the minority. None of this exists today. What's going on is they run around the impeachment process, creating a secret proceeding behind closed doors that fundamentally is, in my view, denies due process. I'm just I'm I want you guys to listen to this carefully because a lot of my listeners retweet Lindsey Graham like he's like some great guy. Here's where I'm going to point out how the Democrats just unmask Lindsey Graham because In this, when I played it last week, I told you 
pay attention to what he's saying because this is how they communicate. Because, you know, obviously it would be like, well, why are you telling us? Then we won't listen to you. We'll just know. And it's like, that's okay, too. It's all about everybody having their eyes open. It's all about this great awakening. Take a listen. And when you're talking about removing the president of the United States, seems to me you'd want to have a process that is consistent with who we are as Americans and consistent with what Bill Clinton was allowed to do, Richard Nixon was allowed to do, and the process in the House today, I think, is danger to the future of the presidency. Because if you can drive down a president's poll numbers by having proceedings where you selectively leak information, where the president, uh, who's the subject of all this, is pretty much shut out, God help future presidents. I've got 41 co-sponsors on the Republican side and climbing. And here's the request. If you believe you have a case against the president, vote to open up an inquiry, allow Republicans to have a say, uh, make sure the president is allowed to participate in a meaningful manner like we did in the past. That's the way to do it. What you're doing today, in my view, is unfair to the president and is dangerous to the presidency. And I think 41 Republican senators and growing is a strong signal to our House colleagues that you're off script here. There's a way to do it, a right way and a wrong way, and you've chosen the wrong way. Yes, ma'am. Your committee interviewed half a dozen people behind closed doors in your Russia investigation. Donald Trump Jr., Glenn Simpson, Robert Goldstone, and then you released the transcripts at the end. I didn't didn't interview any of these witnesses. Uh, That was uh, pretty much intel. So here, yeah, that, this is what I'm saying. This is not an informal. We're looking at the Russian investigation. Mueller testified. So this was all about Mueller. So here's what happened. Ken Starr spent almost five years looking at Clinton. He came before the committee. We had an impeachment inquiry vote. Ken Starr put forth to the Senate Judiciary Committee the 11 allegations against President uh, Clinton we passed four articles of impeachment based on the Star Report that was transpar- transparent, subject to cross-examination in public. It was a public hearing, and two of those articles passed the House. What Mueller did was investigate the president for two years, spent $25 million, and did not recommend any action. That's the difference. When it comes to impeachment messaging, it seems like the White House has changed course multiple times. At this point... Have you noticed? At this point, are you confident that you guys are on the same page? And is it the Hill now leading this messaging? So I talked to uh, uh, Chief Staff Mulvaney. I think they're working on uh, getting a a messaging uh, team together. You know, I was involved in impeachment of President Clinton. I know this sounds weird. But Clinton, (laughs) look what he did. What he did is he had a team that was organized, had legal minds that could understand what was being said versus the legal proceedings in question, and they were on message every day. Okay, so he's saying, well, you know, Clinton was able to be president. Like, what do you mean? Like, how are we going to do this? Hold on. But believe that he was still able to do his job 
and as he governed during impeachment, this is how he's telling the, best thing the he Democrats did, what you're doing wrong. To, to this is how you rectify yeah. it, and you'll see how. I'm hoping that will become the model here. Senator, you referred to uh, uh, Robert Mueller's investigation, mm-hmm. the Starr's investigation. Yeah. Uh, there is no prosecutor looking into the allegations that the combined House committees are looking into. Now, you were a prosecutor, sir. Uh, would you ever have conducted an investigation uh, when, in, in which your witnesses were allowed to speak in public and give other witnesses the opportunity? That's actually a, 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 a very good point. I mean, during the whole Mueller investigation, I backed off of calling a lot of the key witnesses because I didn't want to get in his lane. Now, I'm being asked by uh, Republican uh, folks out in the Republican world, why don't you call Adam Schiff? Well, I think that would do a lot of damage to the country for a senator to call a member of the House. You have a speech and debate problem. But... If you think Adam Schiff is a fact witness, why isn't Donald Trump a fact witness? The point is that's that's not a process that I think will withstand uh, scrutiny. Here Durham we go. Here we go. Is looking at potential misconduct about uh, things that happened in 2016, particularly involving the Ukraine. This isn't about 2016, Senator. This is about what the president has been doing with Ukraine. So he's saying, oh, it's not about 2016. It's about what the president has been doing with the Ukraine. Listen. And the Justice Department has declined to investigate. So, and the Justice Department is declining to investigate what the president's doing. And no one's looking into that. Well, here's what I would say. Are you suggesting there needs to be a special counsel for Ukraine? Can you see that? Did you see that? There we go. The reporter says, well, we're not talking about the 2016. We're talking about the Ukraine and what President Trump is doing in the Ukraine. And, you know, there's no prosecutor looking into that. Why would there be a prosecutor to look at what he's doing in the Ukraine when there is a prosecutor investigating the Ukraine? Question, right, that all conservatives and people that know what's going on ask. And Lindsey Graham so nicely says, are you suggesting? I think that's... So, so, listen. There's no prosecutor looking into it, and so the House has to do the job of prosecuting. He was waiting for that. He picked on it. Suggesting there needs to be a special counsel for Ukraine. I think that's well. Here's what I've I've been trying to get a special counsel to look at all things 2016 from our. All right. So he's been trying to get special counsel to look at things from all things. Blah blah blah. Well, right after that, guess what happened? Guess what happened? The Senate Democrats, specifically Diane Feinstein, Patrick Leahy, Sheldon Whitehouse, Richard Durbin, Amy Klobacher, of course, uh, you know, Christopher Coons, uh, Richard, uh, Rich Blumenthal, Dick Blumenthal. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I was going to say something about that. And Hirono, right? They all signed a document. Let me read it to you. Dear Attorney General Barr, We urge you to recuse yourself from investigations into the Trump-Ukraine matters, including any investigations involving Rudy Giuliani, Lev Parnas, or Igor Fruman, as well as investigations into the origins of the Russia investigation. Federal ethics guidelines prohibit federal employees from participating in any matter in which their impartiality could be questioned, including matters in which they are personally involved or about which they have personal knowledge of. Previous Attorney 
attorneys generals have sought the counsel of relevant senior career department officials to determine whether they should recuse themselves from matters where their impartiality might be reasonably questioned. The White House's memo of the of President Trump's July 25th phone call with the Ukraine President Zelensky suggests that me, you may have personal knowledge or involvement in President Trump's request that the Ukraine pursue investigations to serve the president's personal political interests. Are you listening? During that phone call, the President Trump referenced you by name or title at least five times, including mentioning you in tandem with Rudy Giuliani three times. This raises legitimate questions about your knowledge of activities with Mr. Giuliani and others, blah, 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 blah. And in closing, impartial enforcement of the law is essential to give the American public confidence in the Justice Department's work. Your personal connection to these matters creates the appearance of a conflict of interest and gives rise to questions about whether the department is being used to advance the president's personal interests. Uh, let me backtrack. Um, this is where they make a mention of what Lindsey Graham said. Accordingly, we request that you recuse yourself and identify the appropriate official who will be responsible for these matters. We also request that you confirm whether you consulted Department of Ethics officials regarding recusal and provide copies of any ethics guidance that the Justice Department officials may have provided in connection to these matters. So curious. Lindsey Graham throws it out there. They all get their panties in a twist. They're like, yep, that's what we're going to do. The Democrats, the House Democrats, the Senate Democrats are on fire right now. Amy Klobuchar obviously is one to really be upset, hence signing it, because she's running for president. But we also know that she has a nice photo with Lindsey Graham and McCain in the Ukraine with Marie Yovanovitch. And we also know that her guy, Pollard, has a shell company that has been funneling out $10 million of misappropriated federal funds for weapons that haven't been delivered but have been paid for. Have they been delivered? Is this money laundering or is this illegal weapon ship? Mm. So this is where we're at. This is how they communicate, you guys. They tell you what they're doing. They are not shy to tell you what they're doing. They are demanding to move it along. But here's the thing. Hmm. The appointment of a special counsel literally takes all the power away from the administration. But the problem is, is that the Democrats actually have no idea when the investigation into crimes in the Ukraine and Russia began. So it's incredible how Lindsey Graham suggested it. And then the letter comes in. It's like, can we all now see where Graham sits? Can we see it now? Because I've been saying it for over a year. And people are like, no, he with the Kavanaugh stop. You know, that's, come on. Like, legit. So, if you guys remember back in 2018, I was talking to you guys about USAID. I was telling you guys about how USAID is used to launder money to uh, for quid pro quo and to do all these things. I also mentioned to you that the daughters of the former ambassador of the United States to Russia, Teft, his daughters work at USAID, and one of them gets overpaid a lot. I also mentioned how USAID is being used for money laundering and how we pretend to do things. I said this over a year ago. Here's the thing, though. Whenever I publish something, if I find something, a smoking gun, you know, like the $10 million missing here, it's 500 million, half a billion dollars were missing between Russia and Ukraine on USAID. 
Obviously, I send it to the federal authorities. So I sent that off in October of 2018, talked about in December of 2018 to allow time for them to get foothold. Kind of like the whole Greece thing. I knew that we were going to war there. I knew that we were jumping off of there. I knew that the choppers were being put there. All I could do is tell you the facts and not tell you what I knew about those facts. It was up to you to sit there, and I'm pretty sure all of you had that aha moment over the weekend, right, saying, wait a minute, choppers, where have I heard that? Wait, where do we have a lot of Apaches, Chinooks going through? Oh, that's right. We heard that on Tori Says. We know where it is. It's in Greece, and it's in northeastern Greece. (laughs) So, again, here we go with USAID. USAID is the problem, but... The Democrats are concerned, supposedly, about the impartiality of Barr, right? But they didn't have any concerns of fake investigations against the Trump admin when the Obama administration were doing that. But the question is, it is important to remember who started the whole investigation into the Ukraine and the Russia origin. Because, see, people seem to think that William Barr appointed Durham. Ah, But how is that possible? I had written an article a while back named Exclusive. John Durham was not appointed by A.G. Barr because everyone was saying he was appointed by A.G. Barr. And in the transcripts, it clearly says, uh, and I'll read it to you, Jim Jordan speaking to James Baker's lawyer. Can you speak into Mike there? Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm cutting off any discussion about conversations with a reporter. Jim Jordan says, based on, Mr. Meadow says, you saying he's under criminal investigation, that's why you're not letting him answer? Jim, James Baker's lawyer says, yes. Mr. Meadow says, and are you saying that you're going to take the fifth? The lawyer says, no, I'm saying I'm not letting him answer the questions. This is a voluntary. Meadow says, that's not a prerogative. The lawyer says, well, it's a voluntary interview now, so it is. Meadow says, so what you're saying is in order to answer Mr. Jim Jordan's questions, he's going to have to be subpoenaed. And Baker's lawyer says, I'm saying I'm not going to let him answer the question now. If you choose to subpoena him, that's obviously you're right. Jim Jordan says, just to clarify for us. Your counsel advising Mr. Baker not to answer the question because of, not because it's classified, not because of any classification concerns, but because there's an ongoing investigation by whom? The lawyer says, the Justice Department. Jim Jordan says, I mean, is the Inspector General looking into this? The lawyer says, no, it's it's Mr. John Durham, a prosecutor. And Jim Jordan says, Mr. Huber. The lawyer says, no, Durham, Durham. Wait, Jim Jordan says, oh, say it again. John Durham. All right. So this is a transcript, okay, of discussions with James Baker, okay? James Baker. And Doug Collins dropped these. These are from way before A.G. Barr was even nominated. Wait a minute. So then how can Barr be not impartial if the investigations by Durham began before A.G. Barr's appointment. Okay? And remember, A.G. Barr was unanimously approved by them. And let's not forget, Giuliani first started looking into the Ukraine on behalf of remedies explored for his client in 2018, four months before A.G. Barr's appointment, actually even before his nomination. So how is Barr not impartial again? You see what I'm saying? See, people forget timelines, people forget facts, and they like to muddle that so that you can't remember, okay? This is where it gets down to it. They don't want you to remember. They want you to forget, and they just make up their own facts. 
the the bottom line is is that the Democrats are in full panic mode right now, and it seems the indictments in the pipeline will be the sledgehammer to annihilate the Democratic Party, their very existence, and that sledgehammer is by their own infliction. They brought it upon themselves. Remember, what does Scott Adams say? President Trump is the best rope salesman, right? I'm telling you, they just pulled their pants down, and they are pulling any any card they can out of their butts if they can. They're just pulling it, <laughs> pulling it all out because they're freaking out. They know that the time has come for them to pay the piper, and they do not want that to happen. They are literally freaking out. So on that note, we'll come back and discuss Cuck Todd, how he embarrassed himself, completely embarrassed himself. Uh, he, <laughs> so ridiculous, so ridiculous, you guys, because at the end of the day, he was just pathetic, like Super pathetic. Um, you know, I'll see you all in just a bit right after, um, the break where we're going to discuss it. Um, please make sure you're not drinking, uh, any coffee or driving because some of the stuff you're going to hear are really going to make you laugh. Um, because the way he puts it forward <laughs> was in complete desperation. See y'all in just a bit. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So uh, for all of you that, um, you know, are just joining in the first hour, we were kind of going over how the Democrats totally freaked out and took note from Lindsey Graham to push for a second counsel. Now, what I have done, uh, you know, through my show, and I will be posting an article on Loomer.com. Obviously, all my articles on Loomer.com after I publish them there, they're always published and, and, and linked back on ToriSays.com. Um, some of them I only put on Tory says too. Um, but from over six months ago, I had published that article that it was an exclusive that John Durham was not appointed by AD Barr. I demonstrated who did it and it was stealthy Jeff Sessions that had who? Matt Whitaker doing everything. It was Matt Whitaker that did everything. Whitaker appointed John Durham. James Baker was fired because of John Durham. <laughs> Whitaker did everything. Our soft, cuddly, huge line backer of a man totally love him did everything because we had eyes on everything whatever Mueller was trying to obfuscate we would follow whatever he would throw in the bin we would pick up and look at it we had eyes everywhere and they didn't realize it that's that's what was so awesome that's why they were foaming at the mouth if you remember correctly in December calling him unqualified to be acting attorney general unacceptable that he's acting attorney general. And you remember in November, the end of November, when they actually nominated William Barr, I wrote that scathing article exposing to you exactly who William Barr is and what he's done. And obviously through the finders uh, vault that was released, you see that letters were actually sent to William Barr while he was AG, who allocated um, the information presented to him about child trafficking and satanic sexual rituals to guess who? None other than Mueller, who dismissed it completely. But anyway... I told you what kind of history he had. I told you what kind of position he was in. And this could be redemption. This could be him just going by the book and like many of us out there, waiting for the right time to do it. 
waiting for the right time to use all the battle scars, all the knowledge we have for good. Right? This is the time. So I urge you to go on ToriSays.com, find the article um, that's titled, I mean, you could just go into the search bar and put Durham and it'll come up where I lay it out to you, the timeline of when, uh, you know, Durham was there. It was throughout the whole time of sessions. The minute he was chief of staff, that was it. And remember, they were really upset that he was acting attorney general, calling him unqualified. But we have to remember that James Comey, with only one year under his belt, a year and a half of being a U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York, was appointed acting attorney general instantly during the whole Bush administration right after 9-11 and worked with Mueller. We need to be looking at these relationships. They're all the same click. It's like the, 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 the clicky group in high school. These, these are bottom feeder, deep state clowns. And you know what? They're creatures of habit. They rinse and repeat. If they get away with it once, they do it again and again and again. And this morning I was talking with Scott Adams. I loved listening to his Ukraine breakdown on Bill Taylor. And this is why I'm not touching that only because he's done so much work on that. So great to listen to. But for me on the money side, I was telling you where you can follow the money. I was telling you USAID is the thing. And we started seeing the administration cracking down on USAID and Robert O'Brien actually made that clear to cut Todd over uh, the interview and that interview was stellar. That interview was awesome. So let's go through that interview so you guys can actually see how awesome and how <laughs> how awesome of a floor mopping uh, you know Cuck Todd conducted. It was incredible. I mean, guys, I have never seen such an incredible takedown. That was like super takedown. That was like, ooh, that's got to hurt breakdown. So remember, Robert O'Brien has not had any TV interview since he was appointed national security advisor to the president. Okay. Not at all. And, um, so he went uh, on Sunday morning to Chuck Todd's, Cuck Todd's, Cuck Todd's, meet the press. It was 14 minutes, excruciating 14 minutes where Todd was trying to get sound bites. Todd was trying to get, you know, this Russia collusion tied into it. Todd was trying to cause disruption with Turkey. Todd was really, really trying. Take a listen. Uh, the new national security advisor for the president. You heard President Trump talk about him, Robert O'Brien. Ambassador O'Brien, welcome to Meet the Press, sir. Thanks. Great to be here with you, Chuck. Uh, quite a day uh, to have you uh, on, on your first appearance here uh, on Meet the Press. So let me start with the president's um, decision to share so many details of al-Baghdadi's death. Following up on something Richard Engel said, it seemed that, that, that it was important to the president that the world know how he died. Explain. Look, I think. Okay, so before he explains, I just want to tell you it is important that you watch this video only to see just how upset he was. He was upset. It was as if it was his friend or girlfriend that was, you know, killed. And the thing is, the president describing the death, uh, like I said earlier in the first half hour, was to. Make sure that the young people, the minds that are being coaxed into wanting to join ISIS because it's so great, take a second thing. You know, like little Mogadishu in Minnesota. 
and around the world that want, you know, to join ISIS. Do they really want to die like that? And Jordan Shashel actually made the best statement uh, in regards to this, which is, the president of the United States brilliantly provided counter-propaganda in, an, in our ideological battle against ISIS in describing Baghdadi's last moments as pathetic, terrified coward who used children as human shields. It serves to demoralize and defeat the enemy. That is not a hard concept to understand. But nevertheless, Robert O'Brien entertains the notion and says, all right, let me answer this. Today's a great day for the United States of America and a great day for the world. Uh, this, this was the number one wanted person in the world. He's a brutal, vicious terrorist. Uh, killed many people. The president went into detail. We can talk some more about that. But it's also important for the world to know that uh, the United States has a long reach and the men and women of our armed services uh, executed this mission flawlessly, took him down, and uh, his colleagues uh, that are still alive should be worried. Um, let's talk about a few things of the details. The president gave us a lot of details. Um, he didn't like the lot of details. He didn't like the fact that O'Brien reinforced how great this is, not just for America, but for the whole world, which it is. I mean, around the world right now, people are safer because the recruiter is gone. The head recruiter is gone. The guy that beheaded people is gone. The guy that would glamorize joining ISIS is gone. He talked about how al-Baghdadi uh, appeared to have died. Um, can you explain how we can confirm, you know, where do we, do we have DNA of him already? Where would we have gotten it? How do we confirm this stuff? Explain this a little bit. Sure. We oh, wow. So he's like, yeah, we're going to like be deniers right now because we can't give President Trump this win. We have DNA and we have uh, we had visual on him and uh, the DNA has now been exploited. It's been confirmed uh, as of this morning, uh, a couple hours ago. That is uh, we had an eyewitness account. We had we. Did you see him in the in the I mean, we have a picture of you in the Situation Room. Uh, the president said it played out like a movie. Did you guys see Al Baghdadi? I, I'm not going to get to see, you know, letting folks know what we saw or didn't see in the Situation Room. Uh, those, those technical capabilities are, are something I'm not going to talk about today. Uh, Can I just say that Situation Room picture was super badass? Okay, that was like exactly what nightmares are made of for any terrorist with President Trump sitting at the head of the table. It was kind of like, you want it? We're coming. I totally loved it. And what Cuck Todd tried to do is tell us, did you guys see it? I mean, we, we, we saw visual. You saw visual of Osama bin Laden, okay? So we saw, what do you mean we saw? You mean your team? You see? These are little nuances that are little dog whistles for those mass minds that have Trump derangement syndrome. Instead of applauding the fact that we have made the world a little bit safer from terrorists, made the ability for ISIS to regrow in Idlib, Syria, that I've been saying for months is one of the most important places, didn't I? Um, here we have Cuck Todd saying, we had visual, did you? Uh, but I can tell you, we did have uh, U.S. forces had eyes on Baghdadi, and uh, we confirmed uh, his death, and then we uh, took DNA and, and confirmed the DNA uh, from, from previous samples that we had. And is his body still in custody? Uh, his body will be disposed of properly, uh, to the extent that we have, as the president said, he died in a, uh, blowing up his, his pulling his uh, uh, the, the toggle on his vest. And Are we so going to? Do you imagine we will follow the same protocol we followed with Osama bin Laden? I, I is that a threat? Cut. Todd, who are you to follow the same protocol? Are you intelligence and I don't know about it? 
Are you able to get parts of a body and analyze them? Guys, are you listening to this? This is what you need to listen to. We have been so desensitized that we miss important things, just like we missed with Lindsey Graham, right? Listen to what he's saying. We're going to, like, what are you threatening the administration? Like, you're somebody? You're nobody, cuck Todd. I have better chances of getting my hands on his DNA than you do. Are you kidding? I would expect, I, I would expect that to be the case. Um, the president said that there were a number of folks um, that helped. Uh, he thanked Russia first. He thanked the Kurds last. Uh, should we read into that? No, I don't think you should read into that. I think what the president talked about is that it was a very dangerous mission for our uh, uh, troops. And, and the president made a courageous decision uh, to send them far into enemy territory at night, a long-range uh, helicopter raid. Uh, it was a courageous decision of the president, but... Uh, it, it was uh, incredible bravery and skill of our men and women in the, in the armed forces and the intelligence community that, that executed the mission flawlessly. But they had to fly over. Okay, so let's get back to the raid. Okay, let's get back to the raid. And let me tell you about this raid. Okay, so if you guys remember five months ago, I dropped an article because obviously, you know, some person I was like, hey, if you were listening to Tori Says, you'd know. He's like, no one's supposed to know. It's OPSEC. It's like, pfft. Some people just suck at putting one and one together. So first of all, in an article that was posted in May, so five months ago, um, if you go to ToriSays.com, you'll find it. It's called Breaking. Um, U.S. delivers 70 military chappers to Pagasetic Gulf. Uh, Iran, not imminent threat. Turkey is. Hmm. And I made notion, uh, you know, and I made it a point to tell you that from MarineTraffic.com, we instantly delivered them. So it left our ports on the 25th of April and it got to Greece like boom on the 15th of May. And this mass shipment from the U.S. to Greece happened, um, as I said, due to the rising instability of Turkey now that Iran sanctions are called to be enforced. Um, the lieutenant, Lieutenant Yanakopoulos of one of the largest and most, um, uh, I would say, um, highly classified bases in Greece is in Volos, Greece, up northeast, uh, Greece. It's, it's not super northeast. It's like in the middle-ish type. Uh, in the article, um, that I put out, uh, which is, uh, titled Planned Capture of ISIS Leader Was Months in the Making, um, I have a map so you can see it where in Greece it is. Now, the lieutenant um, had told me during the interview that the delivery was critical for Greece, listen, to ensure we can fend off uh, to air to air attacks by Turkey, who are aggressively responding to growing pressure to uphold Iran sanctions. They are a NATO ally, but that means nothing. It's not Iran we're worried about. It's Turkey. And this was all about, um, you know, them having difficulty, uh, you know, deterring Turkey from invading their maritime waters and drilling for oil. And they're like, because Turkey's like, well, we say it's ours. And they're like, um, but the whole world says it's ours and it's been ours. So you need to, mm, and they're like, make me. So here's the statement by the Ministry of Defense in Greece. Okay, Kyo, Wario, Chinook, and other reinforcements have been sent by the USA to Greece, which were mostly part of an order previously placed, but also to ensure that Greece's military forces are ready and strong enough to defend themselves to the threats being faced in that 
in in that U.S. hopes to increase the readiness of, of and strength of Greece's military for the upcoming possible threat based on the behavior of neighboring Turkey. Here's another quote for the public liaison of the Air Force Command that they were delivered sooner than expected due to rising tensions in Turkey. Um, he had said, I told you that something obviously is going on. Now, apparently these weapons, now pay attention, were such to help them be able to see in the dark. Okay? So these weapons and accessories were done so to assist them um, so they can surveil the areas better. It clearly, the Central um, Armed Forces Command of Greece said that they found these units to fulfill, uh, fulfilling needs for surveillance around Greece's borders due to the mast mounted sight features, which would allow for high resolution and thermal imaging, which is something the Greek military lacks. So basically, like I said, uh, obviously I have to go back and edit it because I think when I do transliteral, uh, translations of transcripts, uh, I sometimes not do it properly. I should really be good at editing this stuff. Anyway, it's, I, I told you guys that it's evident that the Mediterranean, that there's something there. And that, um, you know, even though everyone was saying that he was going to visit Turkey, um, he didn't. So, like I said, a lot can happen between now and then, and this is exactly what was happening. Those long-range choppers that have the latest technology in regards to night vision helped with these night raids. Now, why do we think Russia first? Because there's two ways you could come through to Syria. From the north, which would mean that you would enter Turkish airspace, or from the southwest of Syria going over Tartus, which is one of Russia's largest naval bases. Now, how would you do that? You would come down from Greece um, and you would be to the most western area of Cyprus and head down straight to Syria. That air um, space is actually controlled by Cyprus, Greece and Syria and Russia, of course. So Russia would have to allow us to fly over their base, which was a concern to them because then we could see their operations, you know, flying right over one of their most largest naval bases ever outside of Turkish territories in the Mediterranean is a big deal. So Russia had to prepare to obfuscate our vision based on what choppers we were using in order for us to get that go ahead and say, listen, Putin, want to go in there. We're going to do this raid and we're going to get this guy. Uh, we're giving you a heads up. Do you know when the heads up happened? October 23rd. Okay. October 23rd, October 22nd, uh, is when the heads up happened. And you know how I, I made phone calls like nobody's business, nobody's business, um, on my daughter's birthday to Greece, obviously talking with family for happy birthday, but more so to find out what the USS Gonzalez was doing parked in the Aegean. So a lot of people don't know that the USS Gonzalez is a massive, it's, it's a destroyer, but here's the thing. It's job, right? Is to harbor all our Delta forces <laughs> and seals and stuff. And the last time we saw this destroyer, um, in there was when we saved Iranians from Somali pirates and when we rescued Americans, uh, from Lebanon when there was the Lebanese Israeli conflict. So that's the only time you ever hear a mention 
of the, this destroyer. It's for recon missions. Uh, I mean, can't get any more clear than that. When you see such a destroyer that has a reputation to be doing recon missions, you definitely know your best of your best is there. And you know, when the media was like, well, where did they go to? Where did they park? Where are they resting? None of your business. Guarantee you they were probably resting in TARDIS of Russia and all the way up to Greece. But if you would say that, then be like, is Russia an ally? Kind of like what Chuck Todd is going to continue doing here, as you will hear. Um, during this interview. So here is where O'Brien keeping a straight face and thinking, damn, dude, can you get off this Russia hoax responds to what Cuck Todd says in regards to why we thank Russia, because guys, this was an air raid. The Kurds were ground forces and we couldn't even probably tell all the Kurds because here's the thing. I've said this before. Northeast Syria has a lot of oil. I even wrote an article and there's like a map there showing you just how much of it is there. Now, what would happen is ISIS would exploit those oil reserves and sell them on the black market. Who was the black market, guys, where they keep finding, uh, you know, uranium and oil going through? That's right. Turkey. So obviously we can't tell the Turks we're going into Idlib, which they want really, really bad, you know, to have control over when I was like, nope, nobody gets Idlib because then they get the shores. That's what Turkey wants. Um, and ISIS wants that too. So ISIS has moved in once the U.S. is ap- apparently leaving. They, the U.S. takes hold of all the oil there. We build the oil rigs, the infrastructure to make sure that, you know, they get, that the Kurds get the oil so they can rebuild their communities, so they can, uh, you know, build schools, hospitals, you know, buildings, housing, you know, and get on their feet and create their own Kurdistan in the area. So they, you know, need our help to exclude ISIS, which made a lot of money. This is how they funded themselves. They would steal the oil. And then they would sell it on the black market. If you remember, that is the process. So here we have, we went in there, took out their money, right? That's what we did. And so they moved to recruitment through southern Turkey in the area of Idlib, to be specific, as their headquarters. <sighs> okay, it's going to get really funny because you're going to see just where Cup Todd sits. Uh, areas where, where there's significant anti-aircraft uh, mm-hmm capability, the Syrians, the Russians, the Turks, others. So I think we appreciated the fact that our uh, helicopters and our our planes weren't molested. Uh, The Kurds played an important role in the uh, operation, and and we're grateful for the Kurds and for the SDF and our allies there. General, uh, in fact, Mazloum indicated that this has been a five-month campaign to track him of sorts. Is that that a fair description, And, and, and was it his forces in some ways that were tracking him day to day? Okay, so this is just a, hey, pat on the back to Red State Talk Radio, because when did I publish that article? Five months ago. Just saying. Look, I think it's a uh, it's a fair description, but you can uh, you can imagine there are quiet professionals uh, that, that work for other agencies, the U.S. government, that were heavily involved, as well as our armed forces. Uh, the president was aware of this this effort, and uh, we, we felt we had a beat on him Thursday, Friday, uh, for sure, and uh, the president made a very difficult decision to uh, put men in in harm's way, he did that, and uh, it uh, it worked. And so it was a good good day for the, the United States, good day for armed, armed forces, and for the president. The- How sad is it that he has to repeat? This was a good day. This was a win. This was a good win for the good guys. Everyone should be happy. Why are you being upset? Why are you attacking this? Now, before we break, I want to listen to this point quickly. The way the president said Turkey was informed um, seemed to be that 
it sounds like you really minimized what Turkey was to know about this operation. Is it fair to say more so than perhaps any of the other entities involved in that in that area? No, I look, Se Secretary Pompeo, General Milley, Secretary Esper were all involved in, in alerting their colleagues uh, in these other countries of, uh, that, that there was going to be a, a mission taking place. Was there concern that Turkey could, I mean, the president seemed to be concerned that Turkey could fire on our folks. Uh Okay, see, here he is. Here he is lighting fires. He wants him to go on the record and say Turkey is an enemy, but here's what he says instead. I, I wasn't concerned. Okay. Turkey is a fellow member of NATO. I wasn't concerned that Turkey was going to fire on us. But look, we were flying over airspace controlled by other countries that have anti-aircraft capabilities. And we wanted to make sure our men and women were safe. And so uh, General Milley, Secretary Asper, Secretary Pompeo did a great job of, of reaching out to their colleagues and making sure that we had a uh, ingress and egress that were protected. Gosh, is he awesome? He didn't say that we reached out to Turkey. They just reached out to their counterparts of those countries that controlled that airspace to make sure we could go. He wanted him to go on the record and say it. Instead, he said, well, they're a NATO ally. Why would we think that? Not because they purchased Russian anti-air missiles or anything. Not because they've been insanely trying to get a hold of Idlib and Russia had to bomb them to stop going there. Not because they have been buying black market oil, gold, and uranium from the terrorists so they could fund ISIS. No, not because of that. But, you know, Congress didn't know about it. I mean, would you tell Congress about it? I wouldn't. We have Ilhan Omar, who's got Erdogan and all these other Muslim Brotherhood clowns on speed dial. You think she wouldn't find out? Of course she would. She would simply text them and say, yo, we don't need sabotage and our own people getting killed. That's exactly what they would do just to throw mud on the president's face. They would sacrifice our own soldiers. You think they wouldn't? Oh, yes, they would. They are desperate. They are desperate to get him out of office. They are desperate to do damage to him because they can't stop him. It's unstoppable. And this Flynn thing is blowing up in their face. Totally urge you to read the FISA fix Flynn article I did over a year ago on TorySays.com. And see how I told you that those things were manufactured, but I told you other things that are going to be coming up anytime now, anytime now. So it's important that, uh, you know, we revisit the past to know the future because we already have everything we need. I mean, it is impossible not to be able to see the writing on the wall. We knew about it five months ago. We knew that Turkey was the enemy. We knew that we were moving in on them. We knew what was going on. It seems like everybody else didn't. And it's all calculated. I mean, you could call it time travel. You could call it psychic. Or you could just call it plain reading the right writing on the wall. Because now, re-listening to this and understanding what he's saying, you get to see a lot more when you can hear between the words. Yes? I'll see you guys shortly right after this break where we'll continue and then delve into the UN and their they, they have mobile sovereignty and the fun fact that the CDC is actually a private company and is actually owned by the United Nations, believe it or not. We'll talk about that and more after the break. See you soon. Real news. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. 
So in the first hour, we talked about um, the Democrats um, feeding off of what Lindsey Graham suggested of a special counsel and asking for William Barr to recuse himself. And then we started on Cuck Todd's interview, first ever interview of Robert O'Brien, which I urge you to watch, even without sound. You can see that Robert O'Brien is 100% professional. He respects the president so much. I like him. I really do. Take a listen to how Cuck Todd tries to push, okay, we're going to continue on this, to push O'Brien to say something negative, to push O'Brien to say, yeah, we purposely excluded people. Yeah, you know, why Russia first? And you know what? He's really salty about that, by the way. I also wanted to say, um, it came to me, you know, when he was asking, Ooh, why did he describe his death? Like I said, it was a great way to, you know, counter any propaganda recruiting young people thinking that it's glorious. But remember, Muslims hate dogs. So calling him a dog and dying like a coward is like a huge insult for jihadis. Just saying. So let's continue listening to this interview and I will help you understand how to, um, Read, listen between the words. Because remember, he made a slight remark. Well, we saw, we had a visual as we, as them. So it's them against us? I'm not understanding. You'll see a lot more of this type of reference now. The president made a comment about the oil fields during his comments this morning. Does he believe we own the oil fields or that we control them? What is his understanding of our role in these oil fields? Wow, right? How dare the president say that we're going to control the oil fields? How dare he take away money from ISIS? But listen to this eloquent smackdown from O'Brien. Look, I think the point that the president made is that ISIS controlled these oil fields, and ISIS was uh, deriving great income from the oil fields. We took, together with the Kurds, took control of the oil fields. We're going to stay in control of those oil fields for a period of time to make sure that they don't fall back into ISIS' hands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and those oil fields have been providing income for the Kurds to pay for schools, hospitals, for the SDF, and that sort of thing. So, look, we're there. We took control of those oil fields from ISIS. The folks who had them before, the Syrians, could not protect them from ISIS. So we're going to be there for a period of time to maintain control of those and and make sure that uh, there's not a resurgence of of ISIS and make sure that the Kurds have some revenue from those oil fields. Uh Okay, so before we listen to his really pathetic response in trying to minimize just how awesome this is, first, we're going to make money on it. We're not just going to invest in infrastructure to start pumping oil and create oil rigs and jobs and put all this money in there and not get something. We're definitely getting some royalties, right? Because we're doing this, but we're always going to make money. This is business. Now, why couldn't the Syrians protect it from ISIS? Because they're at war with the Kurds. This has been going on for a long time. The Kurds have been at war with Turkey, with Syria, with Iran, and with Iraq asking for territory. And that is part of their claimed territory. So this is why, because the Kurds would fight back with them. They would fight back with them. And while they're busy fighting, thousands and thousands and thousands of year old wards, remember, Kurdistan and their territory has been named in the Sumerian tablets. We don't even speak Sumerian anymore. That's how far back it goes. All right. So just so you understand, (laughs) Sumerian tablets that you hear on ancient aliens okay so it's like super far so um how it's going to go back and how it's going to happen so (laughs) he says like we're you know the syrians couldn't control it i'm explaining to you why they couldn't now listen to chuck dodd's response 
100% of this revenue belongs to the Kurds? Is that the belief of the United that, that, States look, government? I, 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 I'm not going to get into how, how you know, any, any sort of... The, the Kurds have been using the, the oil revenue. I think they've been using 100% I understand of the oil right. revenue up until now. But going uh, forward, is that going to continue uh, look, to be the case? We'll, we'll have to work that out. As the President said, there are going to be deals that, that are made, but, but those oil fields should not fall back in the hands of ISIS... Uh, and, and we want to make sure that the, the Kurds have some source of, of oil revenue. All right, look, and, and obviously we don't have laws governing there the way we would govern here with land, but how is it that we're determining who owns that oil? Who is going to determine who owns that oil? Well, well ISIS had the oil. We took I understand it, we, that. We took it who back owns, from who, ISIS. Right. So, who do we believe so, so, owns so, this oil ultimately? Well, well, that's something that the president said we'll have to work out. And, and so, but what, what I'd like to focus on is not so much on the oil fields, but we had a great day for the United States No, I States understand that, but the president brought this up. Night. That's why I was just curious no, I, about and, we, so this, I, I just, so, so where you, do we get the right to dis determine who controls these oil fields? Well, the, the Kurds are there, okay, uh, right? And, and we've got forces there that are working with the Kurds, mm -hmm. and and we're in control of those oil fields now. So we'll have to see what happens. I think the president said that's something we're looking into. But right now, we're going to stay in control of them to make sure that ISIS doesn't get them. And I, I want to go back to and, and focus on what happened. I mean, th this leader al Baghdadi was was the most vicious, cruel man. In my prior job as the hostage envoy, I had a chance to meet the Kasichs and. Hey, okay, so uh, before you heard him shift gears, like, let's focus on how great this is that we got him. You saw how he was trying to, um, you know, say, oh, how dare he just think the oil is his. And O'Brien tried to make it clear, but without throwing the Syrians under the bus, nor exposing the plan of creating Kurdistan, a plan that I told you that has been in the making. Like the president and Pompeo have told you, they are fighting for their land. He said it. Again and again and again, remember, ancient aliens talk about Sumerian tablets. That's just how old this and how far deep this cultural, deeply seated war is. So it's not like we're going to go solve it. But, you know, at the end of the day, what we want to solve is a terrorism problem. What we want to solve is a money laundering problem. What we want to solve is this NWO problem. And this is how we're going to fix it. And we're going to get make money out of it. Why not? At least we know we're making money, but we're making money and helping them. You know, something that Russia pushed, like I told you last week when they had the African summit. They're like, listen, no politics intended. We'll invest and we just get royalties just to help you. Remember? I said Africa is going to be coming into the forefront. Here's where it's at. Take a listen to how he shifts gears to say how awesome this is and how Cuck Todd goes back for the, for, for the throat. And, you know, even though O'Brien is very, very aware of his facial expressions and his body language, and that's very important and a really good skill, especially when you're negotiating, um, to have, you know, because he was a negotiator to get back prisoners of war. OK, and our agents that we would lie and say aren't agents. Mueller's and Sotloff's and and uh, and Foley's. I had a chance to speak with Diane Foley this morning. We finally brought justice to a man that, that beheaded the, the three Americans, two journalists and a humanitarian worker. And then Kayla Mueller, who was working as a humanitarian, great young uh, American, idealistic young girl. And one of the things that General Milley did is General Milley named the operation, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff named the operation uh, that took down al-Baghdadi after Kayla Mueller, uh, after what she'd suffered. And uh, it, it, that, that, was, uh, that was something that, I, you know, that, that people should know. Uh, but justice was brought to those Americans who were so brutally killed, as were others, as the president pointed out. Hey, hey, Richard Engel, 
uh, was when we first these reports came out, he noted that this was actually an area that had been controlled by Al Qaeda, an offshoot of Al Qaeda. And you, you know this, you know this area really well. You know these offshoots really well. Who had actually was at war at times with Al Baghdadi, and then now here they are. Perhaps was giving him shelter. The indication was perhaps he got turned in, if you will. Um, that 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 this may have been an inside hit by Al Qaeda and ISIS. Uh, is that is there something to that? Yeah, I, I think that's total speculation. Okay, and, and I, 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 you know, that, that's not something. I- okay, I just want to say that was the most stupidest thing Cuck Todd said. Okay, so he even cracked a smile and couldn't control it because that was retarded. Okay, ISIS, Al Qaeda, Taliban, Hezbollah, no, not Hezbollah, sorry. ISIS, Al Qaeda, Taliban, and Al Shabaab all work together. They're all one in the same. And if you guys follow and just Google like Obama released Al Qaeda leader or whatever, I want you guys to pay attention because you'll see that leader was released to Colombia. And then from Colombia, he went to Ankara, Turkey. And then from Turkey, he went to lead ISIS in Syria. And now he's the leader of Al Qaeda or what they want to call the Houthis, right? BS. It's Al Qaeda slash ISIS in Yemen. He's the leader there. You know, the guy that Obama let go, right? I'm just saying. All these terrorists go to Ankara, Turkey. I'm just going to say that straight. We all know it. Nobody's saying it. And you know what? Adam Schiff and Nadler pulled a card trying to force our hand to take down Turkey. But we're not going to do it. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but let's continue on this. So here is where Cuck Todd tries to play, you know, geopol, <laughs> like he has some special knowledge that ISIS and Al- like Al Qaeda would turn over, right? ISIS when they're one in the same. It was the most retarded thing. You know what? <clears throat> There's two things here. One, Turkey might have handed them over. Okay, this is wishful thinking. Handed them over to show their dedication to the Western nations and NATO. Or it's just that, you know, we're just really good because we're actually doing our job in the Middle East. You know, have you thought of that? I mean, we were, we've been in there for just how long and still haven't taken them out. Now President Trump takes over and they're all being taken down. I mean, rocket science, anyone? So here's where Cuck Todd gets smacked down like, uh, yeah, okay, I don't know. <laughs> and he laughed. O'Brien actually cracked a smirk. I loved it. Uh, where he came out of his, you know, neutral stance. Uh, he couldn't help himself. He's like, is this guy for real now? That I'm aware of. Uh, so uh, maybe, maybe uh, you know, what, all right, let me put it better in, sources than I do on let that. Let me put it in. Not- oh, my gosh. <laughs> maybe you have better sources on that than I do. Oh, my God. That was like the ultimate insult. See, when someone tells me something like, oh, you know, uh, oh, oh, when I was reporting about the, the, the helicopters going to Greece, there was someone who had sent me an email, and they're a reporter for a centrist, per se, you know, site and said, you know, uh, that makes no sense. I mean, Greece needs weapons. We're just selling them to make money. And I was like, okay, I guess you have better sources than I do. So, all right, then this is like the biggest insult ever. And he just threw it in his face. And here's Cuck Todd's comeback. I'm not aware of that. What terrorist organizations are you most concerned about now? Now with al-Baghdadi gone, uh, no obvious um, replacement. And obviously they care a lot about personalities in a little bit of that. Who is the, the biggest threat now? They care a lot about personalities. Okay, guys, if any of you read my article on Loomer.com where Pelosi and Schiff went to Afghanistan, I literally interviewed the spokesperson for the Taliban, which are a political party, okay? They are a political party and terrorists at the same time. Now, 
do they care about personalities? No, they care about their long, how long they've been in the clan. It's not personalities. You could be the most awesome. You could be the most radicalized. They care about people that are recognizable. And if you take out, you know, their primary actors that are highly recognizable, you know, then you eliminate their ability to recruit. So I don't know why he's saying it's about personalities. It has to do with how long you've been in the game. That remains in that area. Look, there are a number of threats in the area. I mean, number one, Iran is the largest state sponsor of terrorism. We're not talking about uh, Iran this morning, but they're a huge state sponsor of terrorism. They're supporting Hamas. They're supporting Hezbollah. They've got the Houthis in Yemen. They're in in Syria. So we've got to be concerned about Iran uh, every day in that region. We did have a hundred, supposedly at least a hundred ISIS fighters that escaped those prisons during the, the Turkish um, safe zone period there. What do we know about those folks? Yeah, I think that's that's Twitter intel. I mean, I've seen that on Twitter as well. Uh, so uh, I think the SDF's doing a pretty good job of keeping the ISIS fighters. You in, don't believe in, we've in lost many of these ISIS fighters uh, from these prison camps? Look, there, there were several thousand ISIS fighters that are that are under control under SDF and, and Turkish control. We've made it very clear to the Turks. We've made it clear to the Kurds and, and to others in the region that we need to keep those folks under lock and key. And, and so, you know, I think it's a, uh, and we're continuing to do that. We're, we're, look, we're looking for ISIS wherever it might reemerge. This was a huge uh, win for the president. The president came into office. He was given a, a, a plate of foreign policy challenges that were probably more difficult for any president coming into office than any president since Truman, who took office during the Second World War. And he's defeated the, with respect to, to ISIS, he defeated the physical caliphate, which was the size of Great Britain. We've now taken out the leader. Uh, of the caliphate. I mean, I can tell you it was great news last night at 7.15 local time. We were in the Situation Room and the commander of the mission called and said, uh, 100% confidence jackpot. And when we heard that... Jackpot, uh, man. Jack, you got Bal- yeah, jackpot, Al-Baghdadi. Man, got him. 100% confidence yeah. jackpot over. And uh, that, that was great news for us. It was great news for the American people, but it was great news for everyone in, in the world and the region. One of your jobs is to sometimes you take in a whole bunch of policy ideas and policy debates. You, in some ways, as a national security advisor, you're the moderator when it comes to the debates between Pentagon, state, sometimes the president. There is going to be a debate among some in the Pentagon that say, Mr. President, our presence here is what allowed us to get this. The president may view this as this is, hey, see, we can do both, smaller footprint and do this. Should we assume that's how the president sees this? Look, I, th- I think we should assume just going to the process question that he asked is that it's the president's agenda that we're going to implement. I-, I didn't come to this job as national security advisor with my own agenda. Uh, others may have done that in the past. It's not something I did. My job is to get the very best options from the state, from Pentagon, from Ha. Huh. So here he is trying to say, you know, hey, are you like worried about saying no to him? Like, what are you doing? He's like, look, dude, my job is to like tell him what he needs to be doing uh, from my perspective and then, you know, advise him. But he makes a decision. It's not my job to tell the president what to do. Here is Cuck Todd reinforcing the notion that we are supposed to, uh, you know, push right? That we're supposed to push for, you know, seat warmers as presidents. That everybody else knows what to do but the president. But the president did awesome here. And unfortunately, Congress didn't know about her. Jihadi Omar didn't know about it to sabotage it. From the IC, from the Treasury Department, mm-hmm. and get those options to the president. And then the president has an op- opportunity to look at those options and make the best decisions for the American people. And that's what he does. If you ask my advice, I'll, I'll give it to him. But but look, at the at the end of the day, he's the commander in chief. He's going to make these decisions, and they're tough decisions. Like like last, you know, over, over the last couple of days and last night, it was a tough decision to put so many men and women at risk. He made those tough decisions. We're going to implement them. Are you comfortable saying no to him? 
Well, I, I, look, it's not my job to say no to him. It's my job to give him the Do you president. believe it's not your job to say no to him? A, a, absolutely not. He, he, I wasn't elected president. He was elected president. Mm -hmm. uh, it's my job to, to make sure he gets the very best options and the very best advice from his, his advisors, from his cabinet secretaries and other advisors. And it's my job to give him my, my best advice, my unvarnished opinion. Let me ask you this. Happen. Are you willing to disagree with him privately? Maybe not saying it publicly. Are you willing sure. to disagree with him privately and say, Mr. President, I don't, this is, this is the advice I would give. Oh, my gosh. Guys, this is attempt number three. Say something bad about the president. But you know what? You Would you disagree with him in private? But tell everybody here how you would disagree with him because he's not capable of making decisions. This is his third attempt to go after O'Brien to show, you know, that O'Brien has no confidence in what the president has to say or what decisions he makes. Take a listen to how he smacks him down. Give. I don't think you should take that advice. The, the, the president's going to give my very best advice, and and, uh, and he may decide he, he wants to go with that advice. He may decide not to go with that advice. My advice might be different than what Secretary Pompeo or what Secretary Esper or General Milley has to say, but he's going to get the best advice from all of his people, and he's ultimately going to make his decision. Uh, on a policy front, Russia, are they in it? Okay, so he didn't like that. So now he moves to Russia, and he's going to ask him now, are they our friend or they our enemy? I mean, they were a friend for this raid, but, like, they're our enemy in the Ukraine because, pay attention, he says, they're killing Ukrainians. And I want you guys to just listen to the response that O'Brien gives to this. An ally of the United States in this fight in ISIS, and are they an, uh, an adversary in the United States in this situation with Ukraine? How would you describe it? Yeah, well, let me just make it very clear. Russia is not an ally of the United States. Uh, the president doesn't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't think there's first, first country he thanked today. Uh, look, there, there are times when our interest overlaps with the interest of Russia. Mm -hmm. Last night it overlapped. We didn't want Russian air defense missiles being shot at our men and women who were uh, executing this raid. And uh, and so last night, and, and they don't like ISIS, as the president pointed out. Last night, our interests overlapped with Russia. When our interests overlap with Russia, there's no reason we shouldn't work with them. Russia is not an ally uh, of the United States. And so is Cuck Todd suggesting because <laughs> Russia is supposedly killing all these Ukrainians that we should just like not go after ISIS leaders and not cooperate with them for a common goal of eradicating terrorism because. Russia, Russia, Russia. And, uh, and, and look, Russia presents a, uh, a great danger to the United States and something we, are, we keep an eye on uh, every, every single day. When it comes to the situation in Ukraine and what Russian forces are doing right now, uh, threatening and killing Ukrainians. Oh, my gosh. So he's saying that the Russian state, right, the state of Russia, the nation of Russia is right now killing Ukrainians. Okay, first of all, that's super fake news. Second of all, it's the radicalized, as they would like to call them, the left likes to call them, the radicalized Ukrainians, the Ukrainians that didn't want to be part of the EU, that wanted to stay like Crimea did with Mother Russia, that are little militia factions that actually fight with Ukrainians so they can change it. So every time they uprise, like telling the Ukrainians, you're corrupt, you sold us out, we would have been better off if Russia would have helped us and allowed us to be independent, kind of like Hong Kong. Look at Crimea. They're doing so much better. It's safe there. They have money. They have heat. They have food. They have jobs. We've got absolutely nothing but the Germans owning every single part of our natural assets. So this is exactly what's going on in Russia. Let's just be straight. But listen to how O'Brien responds to it. Even though he's like, yeah, you know, the Russians right now are killing all these Ukrainians. 
How much of a concern is that to you? Well, it's, it's a big concern. I, I wrote about this long before I was in government. I went to Ukraine to, to monitor the elections back in 2014. Mm-hmm. And when I went there in 2014, Ukrainians were, were looking to me and saying, we can't get bulletproof vests. Oh, wait a minute. He was there in 2014 when all this corruption was going down. Perfect guy to have by your side. President Trump winning again. We can't get Kevlar. We can't get any offensive weapons. We can't defend ourselves. You know, you're sending us blankets and MREs. Uh, the United States was $10 billion worth of blankets and MREs, right? Missing from USAID. <laughs> that must be some really expensive blankies. Once the arsenal of democracy, you're giving us nothing. And, uh, and since this president took office, we've given lethal aid to the Ukrainians. We've got them anti-tank weapons. We've supported the Ukrainians very vigorously and very robustly. So I think if you talk to Ukrainians, especially Ukrainians that are facing off against uh, either, you know, Russian-supported militias or irregulars or dissident, uh, uh, you know, armed dissidents uh, in eastern Ukraine, they're much happier with this administration because they're, they're actually getting lethal aid. Uh, Bill Taylor's the current ambassador to Ukraine. How- Wait a minute. So now we're actually giving them weapons and lethal aid so they can support themselves, even though they're not at war and no one's really dying because that was like super fake news. The Ukrainians are being killed by Russians right now. So, you know, he already said it because he's like, oh, you mean like Russian backed militias and, you know, dissidents of Ukraine because he totally corrected him without totally correcting him. That was like so slight. But here we go where we get into Bill Taylor. Here's where he becomes the lawyer for the deep state. Take a listen. How long uh, will he stay in that position? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know Ambassador Taylor. And, uh, have you ever interacted with him at all? I, I have not. Uh, I've never met him when I was at the State Department. Uh, so, I, so I don't know Ambassador Taylor. And uh, I think he's the charge there. I think he was an ambassador. In, he's in sort previous. of an acting. He's sort of a, right now. In, is in the, he's the chief diplomat right he, now. He, Oh, my gosh. Okay, here's Cuck Todd not knowing what a charge is. Charge means I'm in charge. That means I'm the principal. Um, and he's like, yeah, he's like the chief acting. Like, what the heck? Okay, so he's asking, like, hey, so is Bill Taylor, like, okay with his job there, even though he testified against, uh, you know, whatever, based on the fake whistleblower wiretap that Adam Schiff did? He's the, he's, he's, he's the principal officer in Ukraine right now. Uh, I have not interacted with him before at the State Department. Uh uh, and, and I don't know what his career plans are. I don't know what his career plans are. Means the dude is so fired, so hard, boom. Now, I want to get um, to some more stuff in regards to the capturing of this leader. We had a lot of coordination, but I want you guys to know that the capture of this ISIS leader that has been you know, months in the making, of course, and we've known that, whoever you know listens to Tori says knows that, um, there's some more interesting information that I want to like kind of nod to you and that I put on my article in at Loomer.com, which is uh, apparently uh, the U.S. is moving most of our most of our defenses that we have in operations like uh, specific brigades specifically the third herd and the 173rd airborne unit are being moved almost like it looks like permanently to Greece from Germany it seems like we're evacuating Germany and relocating to Greece because there's two air bases and we're now investing in the infrastructure so we can have our own soldiers there uh, this is pretty awesome. And when I was speaking to a bunch of people in Volos over Skype, they were all at a cafe. One guy said something super awesome. And I'll read the quote to you. He said, we feel safe. For the first time, we feel safe. The Mediter- <coughs> <Excuse me. clears throat> The Mediterranean is on fire and the world is sleeping. 
We can feel it entering the Aegean. It's a good day for everyone. Terrorism has one less leader. Um, you know, uh, the vibe that I got from the people of Greece is that they're kind of excited the fact that there's a U.S. base here, that the U.S. is nearby, with all the threats from Turkey coming in daily to them, invading their waters, hostile, you know, exercises that, that they're conducting. Um, they actually feel great. Now, the new government, uh, their spokesperson spoke with me uh, yesterday and said Turkey isn't happy about the USA entering the area they believe is Turkish territory. We're still waiting to see how the Turkish president will respond to this. ISIS was their supplier and was assisting them in gaining that territory. They must be very upset and blindsided. And again, I told you, it's because our choppers came in from Greece going through Russian airspace, Syrian airspace by TARDIS. So they came in by sea from Cyprus down to Syrian, um, you know, waters to the to the shores there and then came up going north toward Idlib. So... <clears throat> For months, we've been talking how Idlib is a stronghold, and it is, because that is how people from the Western world get to Syria, and that's from Turkey, and they just walk across the border. I mean, every single American that has gone there to serve ISIS has taken the same route. I'll see you all in just a bit after this break. We'll, we'll continue. Um, well, actually, no. We should shift gears. We'll talk about the UN. I'll see you all in a bit. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So in the first hour, we covered the Insane Democrats article is soon to come on Loomer.com. And we covered Cuck Todd, you know, the clown that never ceases to amaze anybody. Um, but it showed you just how they communicate. I showed you through Lindsey Graham and how he dog whistled to his own people on how they should move along. And also um, how Cuck Todd uh, creates these sides and how he pushes this rhetoric, divisive rhetoric, and tries to get sound bites and how awesome O'Brien was when he mopped the floor with him. Now, one thing that struck me odd was it came across to me because, you know, I get a lot of tips and I love getting tips, by the way, from people. I um, got a tip about the U.N., uh, you know, at, literally on the record saying that they have sovereignty uh, in a building, mobile sovereignty. Now, I've I've many, many times told you guys that the one place that I've ever been per se fired from, it was like a federal work study with school, was the CDC. While I was there, I was examining uh, the contents of the flu vaccine for 2009, where I identified that we started using porcine cells, which is pork. And I, my report said that if we're using porcine cells, uh, that DNA can actually cause us to be uh, vulnerable to zoonic borne diseases, meaning that we can get a pig flu, which indeed happened. Uh, after I submitted the report, uh, that Monday when I showed up, I was kind of like, yep, you're fired. I had done my homework a little bit and realized that, um, the CDC is actually a private company. And a lot of people don't know that because we see CDC.gov. It's actually owned by the United Nations. And I thought I'd throw it in while I had everyone's attention about the UN. Because here's the funny thing. The UN is an entity acknowledged by so many nations that are part of it, right? But what's really weird is, is that, you know, aside from their socialist globalist ideas, 
we have afforded them rights that we shouldn't be affording them uh, because that's pretty much forfeiting our right to sovereignty and our right to be able to defend um, the rights that are afforded to us by our U.S. Constitution. So there was an activist at a building in, in, in Utah uh, speaking out uh, against the United Nations. Uh, she had uh, supposedly no rights at a U.N.-controlled event in Utah. She wasn't allowed to it. She was showing, like, cards, and one specific one is important. And those of you that have time and like doing a little bit of homework, you should take a look into the conference report of 1976 called Habitat One by the U.N. That is a very, very interesting um, report. It says at some points that private land ownership contributes to social injustice. Therefore, public land use is indispensable. That's, that's a pretty eerie type message. But what I thought is the best thing to do right now is for you guys to listen to the U.N. security officer claiming that the U.N. has now taken over the whole venue. And for that time that they've taken over the venue, it's now considered jurisdiction of the U.N. Take a listen. Is it okay you turn off the camera and then it's Oh, turn off the camera? Yeah. Do I not have a right to have the camera? I'm not giving you permission to check my face, so... Okay, are you a public servant? I'm a United Nations Security Officer. Okay. Does... Okay. okay this is my city, and so I have a right to film. This is United Nations Compound? Not, United a United Nations, Nations Compound? Did you hear that? A United Nations Compound. Yes. This is a compound? Yeah. Since Sunday evening, we took over the, this compound. This is international territory. When you step outside, it's U.S. Here is international territory. This is U.S. compound. The United Nations claims to be the champion of your human rights. Here, they are boasting about how they love the freedom of the press. But notice that in the U.N. Declaration of Human Rights, they claim the power to deny you any of your rights at their discretion if it doesn't fit their agenda. There were thousands of cameras filming the United Nations that day, activists, journalists, and citizens. But as soon as their security saw that one activist was speaking against the UN's agenda, she was targeted, just like the UN's Declaration on Human Rights says that they have a loophole for. Exactly. The loophole is in order to stabilize world population, it is necessary to eliminate 350,000 people a day. It's a horrible thing to say, but it's just as bad not to say it. I kid you not. This is from their website. I kid you not. If you guys have not gone to loomer.com, go find my article that says the United Nation, um, you know, claims sovereignty in Utah and you're going to see it because what we're going to discuss in this half hour will blow your mind. Uh, the United Nations announced that they were broke because we're not paying for this and that. I think it's about time we got rid of them and gutted any rights they have over people in our nation and it should start. This should be at the top of the gab list of news. This should be trending like nobody's business and I don't understand why it's not. Let's recap what you just saw. The UN set up a compound in the middle of Salt Lake City. The U.N. says they took over the building. The U.N. stated that the taxpayer-funded Salt Lake Palace was now international territory where U.S. rights don't apply. So your tax money, well, Utah state tax money and our federal tax dollars are paying for a building they've claimed to be their territory. Why is the president not addressing this? 
This is what we need to get to the top of the list. For all of you out there, share, 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 and make sure that you share again. Because this should be trending like nobody's business. This is scary stuff. The U.N. stated that the United States was outside the doors of the Salt Palace. And the U.N., who at best should have been a guest of Salt Lake, instead acted like an invader and denied a U.S. citizen their First Amendment rights. Should the United Nations be allowed to simply claim territory in the middle of the United States and deny any U.S. citizen any of their inalienable rights? The evidence is clear that the United Nations' claims of defending human rights is a complete farce. They have demonstrated their intent to rule, along with their complete lack of respect for our own citizens, for all to see, right here on our own soil. That's not all. But this has all been brought to you by your fellow elected leaders. And so all of those Democrat politicians that approved this event and this compound to be created at 100 Southwest Temple, um, Salt Lake City, uh, you know, is is their is their is their doing look. It is a wide-known fact that when you walk into the French embassy, it's as if you're in France. The rules of France are, are, are in order while you're in the embassy. Anything the French do under French law is done under that land. The minute you step out of the door, you're in the U.S. This is sovereign territory. That is a designated building that we allow them to have in the embassies. Now, let's pretend that the French decide that they're going to hold an event at Mar-a-Lago, okay? And they're all going to have like this event, this convention where like in this in this case, it's the 68th United Nations Civil Society Conference uh, at the Salt Palace Convention Center. So let's pretend that the French were going to have their 68th, uh, you know, United French Civil Society Conference. Tell me, would it be OK if the French police told you you're not allowed on there because now it's their compound? Now it's considered French territory. Sovereignty is not mobile. Okay. Sovereignty is not mobile, meaning you can't say, well, now that I'm here, this is like diplomatic land. So, you know, piss off, leave me alone. This is my territory. I can't walk into Russia and say, look, this house I'm renting because I'm in it is totally American territory. You need to step off. They're going to laugh at me and slap cuffs on. How did this happen? This is scary because here's what's even scarier is the United Nations has now pushed toward the CDC, which is a private company. And I put a few links in there because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. right, had talked about this. Um, and it's an archived article. I found the archived article um, because it was deleted from EcoWatch where um, you can find it. If you if you go to the article on Loomer.com, you'll see Robert Kennedy's picture and then his quote, which is, Pharma is the largest lobbyist in Washington. It now has more lobbyists on Capitol Hill than there are Congress people. The industry spends twice as much on lobbying as gas and oil and almost four times as much for defense and aerospace industry. So imagine the military industrial complex is out lobbied four times of Pharma. Imagine, right? He said, Congress was already drowning in pharma money in 1986 when it gave those companies immunity from lawsuits arising from vaccine injury. Who was the one that has all the patents for the vaccines? 
Yes, the CDC. I actually did the homework, I did the math, and I found it. And I also found how the CDC has public-private partnerships, which makes absolutely no sense because they are a fully private company. And here's what Congress did to just skew the facts. They created a CDC nonprofit, which is actually created by the U.S. government, but it's not actually CDC.gov. It's CDC.gov is a private company. And here they are pushing that exclusions from vaccines, exclusions for certain medications are not allowed. Um, and they're telling the CDC that they need to fix it. So the UN is pushing the CDC to eliminate those. The same, the same organization that has said that they need to kill 350,000 people a day. Okay. That is posing as a government company, right? CDC is posing as a government company is actually being run by the United Nations. You guys, this is scary stuff. And hopefully you are at a point right now, almost a year that we've been together on the radio, that you feel comfortable with touching upon such notions and such information. Because the United Nations is a very big problem. The United Nations causes rifts. The United Nations calls the shots. And I urge you, I urge you, Please take a look at the article. I made it as short as possible to just drop enough to tickle your, you know, interest so you can look into it yourself. For those people that understand what's at stake. Because I don't think, I mean, we're now understanding how we've been ruled with propaganda and the media and advertising and consumerism, et cetera, on how we're supposed to think, how they're training us to think. So you're at a point where you understand that there are things that they obfuscate so that you cannot discern things. Yes, there are. But this is even worse. This is a very, very big problem, you guys. Because they have that right to do so. I mean, at that moment, I'll tell you what. If I was that person and I was told that, the first thing I would do is call the police. I don't know why no one called the police. Because if they called the police and the police would be on the record restating what they said, you've got an ironclad case of not hearsay. So that was a fallback on this. I was hoping that the police would have been called because that's what I would have done. Because if my police authority that gets paid by my tax dollars that pays to have this building up there tells me that that's international territory and no longer part of the U.S. because those clowns are in there, I will tell you, I would be setting things on fire like nobody's business. And I'm sure every each and every one of you out there listening right now would feel the same. So it's really, really important that we always get things on the record because it's our job to fix this nation. No one's going to do it for us. The police aren't going to do it for us, you know, out of their good hearts because they're just doing their job. But they will do it for us if we ask them to because they're there to serve the people. So let's start using the tools we have, like FOIA requests, lawsuits, our police, our, our some FBI <laughs> Um, our Department of Justice and this amazing president and try to make the changes ourselves. When you see something, say something. It doesn't matter how or what. Say something. You know, guys, everybody can write a letter to Attorney General Barr. You know that, right? You could just write a letter and mail it off. He's going to get it at some point. Someone's going to read it at some point 
and they're going to take it and read it and file it and send you a letter to tell you, hey, we read it, we're filing it, and we're looking into it. They will. They have to. It is our job to fix this. I mean, President Trump is doing an amazing job, but he really, really needs our help. And our help is by voting him in. Our help is by supporting him. But, man, this propaganda is getting overwhelming. Guys, I literally cried when I saw him at the baseball game when he realized everyone was booing. He probably felt so bad. He's like, oh, my gosh, I just made the world a better place by eliminating this ISIS recruiter that has been a thorn in our side for decades. And all I do is get booed. I'm cleaning up the swamp I'm getting rid of child traffickers, child molesters, satanic molest, child molesters, crime. I'm giving them jobs. I'm giving them money. And it's like I can't do anything right. I saw that part of him, and I just wanted to leap through the screen and hug him and tell him, we all love you. And that's why today I was tweeting thank you. Now, President Trump said something pretty awesome. He said, It's embarrassing to us as a nation in regards to Chicago, right? Afghanistan is a safe place, is safer than it is in Chicago, which is 100% true. Take a listen. He just said that today. Take a listen. It's embarrassing to us as a nation all over the world. They're talking about Chicago. Afghanistan is a safe place by comparison. It's true. Police officers of Chicago are entitled to a police superintendent who has their backs and knows what he's doing. You're entitled to a police superintendent who sides with you, with the people of Chicago. The people want this. And with the families of Chicago, not the criminals and the gang members that are here illegally, and not the stupid politicians that have no idea what the hell they're doing. It's embarrassing to us as a nation all over the world. They're talking about Chicago. That's true. Remember, that's Chicago, which is Obama's house. That is where all this crime is happening. That is where these murders are occurring on a daily basis. That is where young men and women, girls and boys, take arms to defend themselves because You know, that's the real problem. Why do they feel that they have to come to that point? You know, it's it's pretty incredible. He was in Chicago and he talked about Jesse Smollett. And remember, I was the first one talking about Jesse Smollett before everyone knew it was a hoax when I said it was very, very convenient that we had a lynching bill going through, right? And this happened. I also was the one that told you that Don Lemon was the one, the first one that spoke to him, and it turned out to be true by the own admission of Don Lemon. Now, Jesse Smollett is trying to get away with it, but as you can see, he's not. And he's going to take down a lot of people. And that also includes Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti was included in this. You're going to see how it all comes out. Now, um, President Trump signed a new commission on law enforcement. And this commission will be so it can provide recommendations of how 
to um, fix systemic problems that they have that burden the law enforcement. So the cops in Chicago want to clean up the streets, but apparently they're not allowed to. That's what it means. It means that they're systemic, meaning at the core, at the core of the administration, at the core of how they operate, at the core of the city of Chicago that is disallowing them to actually enforce the law and do their job. So this is a very big deal, okay, of how they can't do their job. Now, President Trump made an awesome statement, which was nationwide injunctions undermine our entire immigration system. It is not the the job of judges to impose their political views. Job is to apply the law. I have appointed more than 150 judges committed to upholding the laws, the Constitution as it was written. I can tell you in my state, there are judges on a district level that are going to be removed faster than they can blink just because they allow themselves with bias to rule. And this happens everywhere. And they will be removed one by one. We got rid of the chief of the Supreme Court in North Dakota, and now it's coming down. You would say, but it's a red state. It is the bluest one. It's like a McCain state. Picture, if McCain had a state, this would be North Dakota is McCain. Okay? That's it. Okay? Super it. Now, Attorney General Barr sent a letter to all law enforcement agencies Um uh, and that is something that President Trump announced in Chicago, in the most corrupt city on the planet, in the most corrupt state. You know, if you win the lottery in Illinois, you get an IOU. You don't even win it. So what's the point of playing, right? Um, but he sent a letter out to all law enforcement agencies saying that he will do whatever is needed to help them in an effort to fight terrorism, violent crime, and identify, assess, and engage potential mass shooters before they strike. You know, when we found, um, you know, out that there was going to be this vicious rally in New York and L.A., um, obviously before I published it and before I discussed it, um, I had alerted the FBI because if we remember correctly, it was only um, last year that um, Antifa was buying weapons from Mexican cartels and the government got involved. This is an ongoing issue. So we are actually quite lucky that that was actually diffused. Now, on my Facebook, of course, I shared that on November 4th, they're looking across the nation in different states to have these Antifa rallies, and they clearly said they're going to be violent. And it's important to think, you know, as you're, as a citizen yourself, you'll share it with your own people, right? With your own town. Like it's, it's going to happen in my city. I'm going to make sure that I'm not here on November 4th. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Or I just don't leave the house. But um, the, the bottom line is what we need to remember is that um, it is our job to help the situation. And if you see something, say something, because that's really going to come down to it um, coming soon. Uh, it is going to be pretty important on the role that the people play. Uh, because we can't trust the news. We can't trust who we follow. I mean, how do we fix it? You know, uh, it is just, it's, it's something that you need to... Um, 
think about. Now, speaking of these uh, large conspiracy theories, uh, someone actually um, DM me during the show and asked, you know, where they could find how the CDC is owned by the UN. It's actually buried in, I, I sent articles so you guys can read up on it so you can see where the things go. Um, once I actually submit um, more official paperwork, because in there, there's also patents, you guys. So if you actually go to the patent link that I put in the article on loomer.com, you can follow through where it says the CDC and the only, and the government itself can't file patents as a private company. And you'll see that the patent was filed as a private company by the CDC. That's what you need to pay attention to. So then, uh, you know, filing request, you know, then you can ask and it comes down to back to the UN which is pretty incredible. Now I'm providing that information in my complaint. That's why I haven't published it. Um, and I will be following up once I actually um, compile it and send it off to the attorney general. I mean, all of us, when we find something again, I say it, see something, say something. Um, you know, I really want to tell you guys, Hey, yo, we're going to be capturing ISIS leaders, you know, five months ago. But instead I was telling you, Hey, maybe you need to look over here. Hey, don't listen to them about Iran. That's not the problem. Hey, focus here. Because sometimes when we have information, it's it's important that we control what we give out completely, but without keeping people in the dark. Obviously, the president feels that keeping them in the dark is most important because they're out to sabotage. That tells you a lot about the health of our nation right now and the people we have in Congress and Senate. If we can't trust them to be behind us 100% to take out terrorists, how can we trust them with things like our kids and their educational system, with, with our health care, with our, uh, you know, taxes, with anything? How do you, how do you trust them? That should tell you everything you need. So, you know, there's a lot that's going to be coming out, guys. And there's going to be some disclosures coming in next year that are going to be pretty incredible and, you know, if you can swallow the pill of the United Nations and understand to what extent and how Big of a problem it is because the president of the United States made it clear when he pulled us out of the international criminal justice system. Remember how he said, no international authority is going to sit here and tell me, you know, and judge my country or tell me what's a crime and what's not. Piss off. Remember when he said that when he first swore in these? This is how it goes down. Russia's not in on that. A lot of people aren't in on that. And for that reason, the mainstream media is trying to make it seem like those people that we're going to, we're supposed to have as enemies are actually our friends. You know, I, I'm pretty sure your parents have taught you that too. That in your greatest enemy is where you find your greatest friend. Always. Because it's the unity of truth and, um, safety and, uh, love for humanity that binds above all. Remember that. Uh, on that note, Tomorrow is going to be a pretty busy day. Um, I believe that there will be something coming out in regards to Chicago. I mean, the president spoke about Jesse Smollett, but I heard about some indictments coming up, and I don't know if they're going to be unsealed yet, but uh, that should be coming down the pipeline any day now. Um, in the meantime, you know, reintroduce yourself with things like um, – Ancient aliens, you know, spirits. <laughs> I'm just saying, do that on the side because that might come in handy in about seven months. All right. On that note, I want to wish you guys a great evening. God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. Have a wonderful evening. 